today we are going through, um, we're almost wrapping up our series on new beginnings. Uh, today is step 11. We're kind of going through the 12 steps of recovery. And so this week is focusing on prayer. That's why our service is going to be a little different. Um, that's why we started with only a few songs, because we're actually going to end with a couple songs and a time of prayer as well at the end. So you can prepare yourself a little bit for that as well. But today we're talking about prayer and, and how, you know, how that relationship with God through prayer can help us in that restoration through sin, through addiction. We're discussing today the importance of prayer in our lives as we continue to seek restoration because we need prayer as we continue to grow in our relationship with God and as we meditate on his word as well. Those two pieces, prayer and God's word, are so important because through both, we're able to discover his will over our lives. And as we talk about restoration, whether that's restoration through addiction or from addiction or restoration from temptations or sin, whatever sin is creeping in, as we move forward, we need to find God's direction in our lives. Because we can't move forward if, if we're fixed on our past and we can't move forward if we don't really have a direction as well. Like I said, next week we're going to wrap up this series as we talk about you know, how to help those behind us that are also going through this process. And so this week is actually the last week, last step that focuses on yourself, on ourselves. This step is focusing on how a life of prayer will, take that next, will help us take that next step every day. Because like Jorge and I have mentioned before, it's not just a one-time decision to follow Jesus. Of course, that first time is important and it's special and you'll remember it forever. But it's a daily decision to follow him, to pick up our cross, to follow him, to surrender our lives and to follow him. And so today we're looking at how can prayer affect the way we decide to take each next step? How can meditating on God's word and his will help us take each next step? A big theme throughout all these steps that you've heard every week has been a theme of surrendering. Surrendering our lives, surrendering our sin, that guilt, that shame to God. And a large part of being restored, going through recovery, is surrendering to that process as well. It's being on our knees and crying out, God, I just, I need you, I need help here. And the best part is, is that God wants to help us. He wants to walk through with us each each step along the way. He wants to have that friendship and that relationship with each and every one of us. So often, I see how we can get stuck in our prayer life, and, and I've been guilty of this time and time again. It's you know, kind of where our prayers start to shift and become more one-sided, where, it's, where it sounds more like, God, can you fix this? God, can you lead me here? God, bring me this or bring me that. Take me here, take me there. Sometimes it can be very one-sided and us just asking and asking and asking. But how often do our prayers sound like, God, just show me what's next. God, I'm listening, just speak to me. And you might be going through times and you're sharing that with your friends, like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm really struggling with this. And they might ask you, have you prayed about that? Oh, well, I've prayed about it and I've talked to God about it and I you know, keep 
asking him over and over again, and I haven't, nothing's changed, nothing changes ever. But we kind of have to understand that, that a friendship, a relationship has to be two ways. It can't just be us, you know, uh, just spilling our, get, our guts every, every time we pray and then just wrapping up and walking away and that's it. We have to give in a relationship, we have to give a chance for both parties to speak. It wouldn't work too good if you and I sit down together and maybe I'm asking for advice or maybe you're asking for advice. And one of us just keeps, you know, we sit down and we just keep talking, and t- or you just keep talking and talking and talking, and okay, get up, thanks, Pastor, and you walk away. I might know a whole lot about you and what you're going through, but I haven't had a chance to respond. And that same thing works with our relationship with God. He, we need to give Him a chance to respond. And so how do we pray then? You might be thinking or wondering, is there a formula, is there a box that prayer has to fit in And no, there is no formula, there's no box. There's things that Jesus even says in in Matthew of how not to pray, and we're going to get there in a second. But if if you want to come to God and just spill your guts, that is totally fine. He encourages that, actually. He wants us to come to him no matter what. Because it says in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, it says, Let us then, with confidence, draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive grace, or receive mercy, and find grace to help us in a time of need. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace. What this is saying is that we can come to God any time, no matter what, because there is grace and mercy available for us there. There is grace and mercy there for us every day, every step along the way. Because he wants to hear from us. He wants to, to share our heart with him. But I would encourage you to also take time while you pray, to listen to what he has to say. That's been a part of this morning as well. That's why Dave played a little reflective piece. Maybe God spoke to you during that time. Maybe he just gave you a word or a person. Maybe you're thinking, well, I don't think I got all the information here. Maybe it's just a name or just a place, and you're going, what does that mean? Well, I would encourage you to just continue to listen. And maybe that's all you're going to get. Maybe you just write that down. And you just meditate on that. What does that mean? Where are there verses that maybe speak into this? And but sitting and listening, it can be a hard thing to do sometimes. To clear our minds of distraction can be so difficult. And I, I've been there. I'm guilty of this constantly. Where you sit down to pray and maybe have a few things to say. And okay, God, would you just speak to me? But you're also thinking, okay, well, I need to go to the store today. I need to get milk. Or... I need to get this done at work today, or, oh, I need to get this done at home. We, we're going to go here. I need to prepare for that. And all these things are going through your mind while you're trying to take time and, and listen to God, and all these distractions keep coming in. What I had someone suggest to me many years ago, and what I would suggest as well, is when you have those distractions or those thoughts that need attention, to just take a piece of paper and write them down. If it's, okay, right, I need, I need to get milk. Okay, get milk, Alec. And you just write all these things down, eventually you can just come to a place where all those worries or things that you're going to forget to do, they're written down. That's okay. You can forget about them for now. And then just take time, and distractions will come. Maybe your phone will bing. Maybe somebody will send a message or a phone call will come. And sometimes it's okay to just shut your phone off. 
Sometimes it's okay to, to answer that call. Maybe it's a friend that needs help. But really, <laughs> part of prayer is that, that back and forth, is that time to just sit in silence and reflect. And silence can be really uncomfortable sometimes. So how do we pray? Well, there's not exactly a formula. But Jesus does share with us how we should not pray. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 5, Jesus says, When you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. I just want to pause here for a second. Because Jesus says very plainly, you don't need to pray for others to see you. You know, they've received their reward, he says. If they're on the street corners, if they're in the, the synagogues or the churches so that they can pray loudly, and people go, oh, they're so holy because of how they're praying. Jesus is saying that's, they're doing that because they want you to see them pray, and that's all they're going to get in the reward. Jesus also says, well, don't just keep babbling on and on. Jesus know, or God knows you know, what, you, what your heart is and what you're going to say before you say it. But then Jesus says in verse 9, he says, this then is how you should pray. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And if you want to take that prayer, Matthew 6, verse 9 to 13, if you want to take that and just pray that every day, that would be a great exercise as well. Jesus isn't saying this is the only way to pray. He's saying this is how you should pray. Kind of follow these things. Thank God. You know, pray that his will will be done in your life. Thank him for provisions for your daily bread. And pray that you will be able to forgive those who harm you. The other part of prayer in time of restoration prayer as you're going through a process is taking time to pray together. And like I said, we're going to do that in a little bit. Sometimes when we pray together, we call that, in the Christian circle, we call that communal prayer. But this is the prayer that we do together with each other and for each other. In Acts chapter 2, verse 42, it's talking about the early church here, and it says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. There's basically five things there that it states, five basic principles says that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. That's the word of God that was written down in the letters that we have in our Bible today. To fellowship. Well, that's gathering what we do as the church. The breaking of bread. That's communion, remembering why Jesus came and why he died. And to prayer. It's four things. I said five, didn't I? But those are important pieces of, of you know, of the early church, and the still important pieces of what we do today. 
We still gather. We still read from God's Word, study it. We still take communion, and we still pray together. But also in, in Acts, it says they pray together continuously. How often do we pray together continuously? Maybe we gather for an hour a week and, or, or two hours, or maybe we, we gather once in a while to pray together. But the early church gathered together continuously. And we all have busy lives. We all have different jobs. We have different schedules, and it's hard to line up. But I would encourage you, if you have free time on Wednesdays, we pray, uh, let me just, is it 4.30 to 5? That's right, right? Okay. Wanda's giving me the nod. <laughs> we pray together. For just a short time, sometimes it's longer. Sometimes it's, it's discussing what's going on in our lives. But I would encourage you, if you have time on Wednesdays at 4.30 to come to the church, we sit in the coffee room, can grab a cup of coffee, and we just pray together for the needs of each other, for the needs of our church, the needs of our community. And that's incredibly important when it comes to the, the life of the church. And so when we pray, though, we ought to be praying for his will in our lives. We ought to seek God's truth in our lives. And when we seek God's truth in our lives, his truth sets us free. The problem with temptations, addictions, just recovery in general, is that we come to believe the lies of the enemy. It can be slowly at a time, but the enemy whispers. You know, if we're trying to overcome temptation or trying to overcome addiction, the enemy will whisper lies. Oh, you can't go your whole life without that. You can't go a whole month without that. You can't go a whole day without that. Remember how good that was? Just one more. The enemy will whisper these lies over and over again. Sometimes they're subtle. Sometimes it's very loud. But when we seek God's truth, it will set us free because the enemy speaks untruths. Sometimes the enemy even speaks half-truths. If we look at uh, the beginning of Matthew when Jesus is tempted in the wilderness, he, he fasts for 40 days, and then the devil comes and tempts him. And the devil is using Scripture to tempt Jesus, but he takes pieces of Scripture and he twists it and warps it, and Jesus knows, he says, Bible says this, and he uses Scripture to refute that as well. Sometimes the devil speaks untruths or half-truths, but Jesus will always speak the truth, the full truth, the real truth. It says in John chapter 8, verse 32, If you hold to my teaching, you are, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Just leave that up there for a second. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. We can be so, felt like we're so cap captivated by sin or temptation, addiction, to feel like there's a weight on our shoulders dragging us down, taking us away from what we love. But when we walk through these steps, and as we're coming through the end of this process, prayer and a life, a relationship with God through prayer will help us take that next step each day and will help us to be free from that sin and from that addiction. When we study and when we pray his, through his word, 
when we seek Him instead of seeking the substances, the possessions, the words or the, of the enemy that hold us captive over and over again, when we seek Him instead, we, when we live in Him, He sets us free. And I wish that it was always that easy. Sometimes it's not. It can be a struggle. It can be months, years of struggles. It can be years of pain, of struggling through an addiction, of d- doing so well for so long and, and falling back. But that, like that first passage in Hebrews, it says, there is a throne of grace for us. There is a throne of mercy for us each and every day. It's not a one-time thing that we surrender our lives to God and we go on our way. It is daily that we surrender our lives to God. It is, God, I messed up today. I yelled at my children today. God, I yelled at my wife today. I was this close to punching somebody out today. Barb thinks that a lot at the office, don't you? (laughs) But there is a throne of grace and mercy for us every day, no matter what. No matter what we've done or who we've harmed or who we've hurt or yelled at, there is grace upon grace upon grace. I don't know how many of you have taken on a home renovation. It is a daunting task sometimes. There's laughter already, so I'm going to assume that some of you have. I have done a lot of different home renovation projects for my house and for uh, friends and families' houses. I worked for a cousin, too, that had a renovation and construction company once. And when you're planning on, say, tearing out a bathroom or gutting a bathroom, there will be almost 100% of the time there is hidden issues behind the walls, especially behind showers or tubs. If you're tearing that out, you can almost guarantee that there's moisture problems. But there's always unexpected things in a home renovation project. There's always unexpected things that come up from the surface when you peel off the drywall and see this wasn't framed properly, or there's no insulation or vapor barrier on this outside wall. I've had that before. But as we've been going through this process or these 12 steps of recovery, talking about restoration, talking about new beginnings, it's got me thinking a lot about home renovations. I'm currently doing our basement bathroom right now, and surprisingly, there was no moisture issues yet. Maybe we'll find some yet. But I've been thinking about how, you know, restoration in our lives is kind of like a home renovation. And we tear out everything, whether it is moldy or is not working or just needs, you know, a new facelift. That eyesore in our house, the thing that's been bugging you crazy since you moved in 20 years ago. And we tear it out and we start to put back the pieces. And things are looking good, and maybe now the paint's just finished and the trim is on. But there's still daily maintenance that needs to be, that needs to happen. Bulbs will need to be replaced. You can paint walls anytime you want. There's always cleaning that needs to be done. Maybe you need to patch the drywall when you and your brother wrestle and fall into a baby gate and it rips out of the room. But there's always regular maintenance that needs to be done. And this is where I think prayer comes in into our life. It's kind of that daily maintenance almost, where we can pray to God and and come to Him each and every day with our frustrations, with the things that are tempting us any minute of any day. I had stood, when I used to work for my dad, um, 
in production. There would be guys that drove me crazy, and I would just be standing at, at the machine I was working on. I'd just be praying, God, just give me the, the right things to say or to not say right now. God, just help me through this right now. I'd be, and you can do that too. You don't have to close your eyes to pray. And if you're working in every machinery, please don't close your eyes to pray. But this, this prayer life is kind of that regular maintenance that we all need. When we started at the beginning of this series, we started by you know, the 12 steps there. It starts by admitting that we are powerless to overcome our issues by ourselves. And it goes through and, and we realize that we need God to overcome that in our lives. And then we surrender ourselves to God that we keep talking about. We lay our troubles at his feet. But we need to continue to check our heart and to check our motives. We need to go to those people that we've hurt and ask for forgiveness. And today, now all that's left to do is to pray. You can pray for yourself. Pray for courage in your life and strength in your life. For his power to move forward. Pray in order to draw closer to him. To have his will revealed in your life. Pray that he will protect you from further addiction. From falling back into that sinful behavior. Pray that he will protect your mind when, when the devil comes and whispers lies and untruths. Because the devil does, and he will come and whisper lies. He will remind you of your past behavior, of that time that, you know, where you felt at your lowest. But Jesus will continually, will continually speak his truth, which is louder, which is true. And he will tell you that you are his. You are his child. You are his redeemed and he can transform your heart no matter what the, what the whispers say, what the lies say. He can tr transform your heart. You might be thinking, well, you don't know what I've done. You don't know the wrongs that I've, I've done. You don't know the sins I've committed or the crimes I've committed. But God is there on his throne of grace and he is willing to, for to forgive your past and to give you a seat as a children of his. But I would encourage you to also be praying for your friends, for your family, for your coworkers, your enemies. Hopefully you don't have any. For the strangers on the street. Pray that God would move in their lives too. And for those of you who might not even know where to start, how do I even pray? You can pray through the Lord's Prayer there in Matthew 6. Or you can just come to God and just say, Jesus, And that is perfectly acceptable. Romans 8, uh, verse 26, it says, In the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness, we do not know what we ought to pray for. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. Rely on the Spirit when you pray, too. If you don't know how to say something or, or what you're really praying for, you know maybe somebody's going through a hard situation, but you don't know much about it. Just let the Spirit intercede for you as well. And we can talk about prayer. We can talk about how not to pray or how to pray or, or when to pray. But I want to take time today to actually pray together. To take that time 
to gather together and to pray for each other's needs. And your heart might be racing right now going, what? I don't want to pray with each other. I don't know how to do that. I don't know what to say. That's okay. <laughs> We're going to have a few prompts on the screen on, on what to pray for if you get stuck. But the worship team and I, we're just going to sing through a couple songs. And these songs have been on my heart a lot recently. Um, and they speak to this importance of prayer in our lives. And so I just want to take that time now. The elders will be available as well if you want to pray with an elder. Uh, but really take time to, to just sit together, to pray together. It can even start with something like, what's going on? Like, how can I pray for you today? Okay school or work or that family issue that's been going on for years and years. That's okay. But I really want to have a time now where we can just sit and pray and listen to God as well. So please gather together and pray. And from uh, James chapter 5 verse 16, if you want to even meditate on this verse, it says, therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. So take time now and pray for each other.